Hello and welcome to the Bergen Fitness Podcast. This is episode three of this series. The purpose of the podcast is to educate, motivate and entertain you with new podcasts released every Thursday. On today's episode, it's going to be all about the psychology within training and within sport. Um, on today's podcast, we've got Rachel, my twin sister, joining. Um, Rachel has a very strong psychological background. Um, so first of all, she's going to introduce her psychological background, and then I'll let you know a little bit more about what Rachel has been up to in terms of her sporting background. Hi, so I'm Rachel. Thanks for listening. I have a three-year undergraduate degree in psychology, um, and then I'm currently on a doctorate in clinical psychology, so that includes giving therapy um, to service users. Um, so throughout the time of studying psychology, I've developed some strategies that might be helpful to you as well in your sports. So the whole purpose of today's episode is to discuss Rachel's five most used psychological techniques and strategies um, and relate them to sporting ideas that maybe we might do to give you a little bit of um, ideas as to how you can relate um, your own psychology to your own training um, using the techniques. Um, Rachel, just a bit of background with Rachel's sporting um, background. Rachel started running properly last October during lockdown. Uh, since then, Rachel's completed two ultramarathons, four running challenges, uh, three of which were ultras, and one being a 24-hour paired race um, in which she gained a podium spot with her partner, Jen. So shout out to Jen if, if, Jen, if you're listening. Um, more recently, though, Rachel ran the London Marathon in a time of three hours and 19, and then a week later ran Manchester Marathon and PB'd her previous PB in London with a time of three hours and 14, which is actually amazing. <laughs> Um, really you can pay me later. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good podcast today because um, we're gonna use Rachel's expertise in psychology uh, to help you guys with your own training and the psychology of your training. Okay, so without further ado, I asked Rachel for her five most used psychological techniques uh, within her sport. Number one was self talk and self compassion. So Rachel, if you just like to discuss what that is and relate it to your sport of choice. Yeah, so when running the marathons uh, more recently, I kind of I noticed since starting training and running um, a shift from my mindset during races. So before I used to be very self-critical, um, like you need to go faster, you need to push harder. Um, whereas in the marathon, I kind of thought, you know what, at the end of the day, I need to get to the end of this race. So why, if I'm already in pain, already struggling, why struggle more by beating myself up? Um, so I'd talk to myself a bit more positively, like, oh, you're doing really well. Look how far your legs have, have taken you so far. Um, keep it up, keep going. <clears throat> um, and I found that that has been the main thing that's actually helped with endurance racing anyway. Yeah, just to inter interject with that, I remember you saying um, the other day about how you almost like have more kind of, like kind of like you were saying, more self compassion is that the word yeah <laughs> for yourself um when do you think that negative self-talk such as because sometimes when I'm training I'm like and I fail a lift for example of like oh come on you're better than that like that was rubbish or oh, come, like prove prove to yourself like you're stronger do you think that negative self-talk has a place yeah um but I don't for me personally in, in a race it's going to last three hours or so I don't see the point in being negative um, I think it's more like if you're doing, say, CrossFit, for example, and you're like, go on, push, or stronger, stronger, then it can be good. But sometimes, you know, going too too hard, too harsh on yourself, too far in can actually 
um, limit your performance because mm. you might blow out early. So if I started the marathon and was like, push harder, push harder, and then I hear like people in the crowd saying, go on, run, 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 or whatever, then every like, well, not everyone knows, but with a marathon, the first half, you you should really be running with your mind and should, you know, stay stay to, to a specific pace that feels maintainable. Because if you go out too quickly, then you're blowed out and then you've got to endure the rest of the race and it's mm. just going to be a suffer. So... So do you get do you get negative things come into your head and yeah. like so how do you stop them from festering in your head like how do you get them to leave as soon as they come in So like I think about like my the main question I ask myself is what does my body need right now what do I need to do right now to help the need that is there so for example in the Manchester marathon uh, I had a really bad stomach ache and rather than being like oh these you've totally ruined the race now, you're never going to get your goal time, like this is it. And it was in the seventh mile or something quite early on. I kind of thought, right, okay, my body, something's going on with my stomach, what does it need? Like, How can I look after it so that we get to the end of the race um, in more comfortably? And that was where I thought, do you know what? I know in training, like I've uh, small sips of water help. So at the next hydration station, have small sips of water. And it just makes you feel more in control. Because in that situation, you know, if I had a tense start, it would have caused more distress to my stomach. And then it would have been a more endured endurance race because I would have been suffering for a long long time so do you think that self-talk is because self-talk is like an internal dialogue that sometimes you're not aware of being there and sometimes Mm. you don't understand the power of it do you think that is something that a lot of people when they're training whether it's running whether it's weightlifting do you think that self-talk is often overlooked as a strategy of psychology yeah 100% I think it takes time as well to develop self-compassion so you know it's it's crazy really how much it can transfer over as well between, you know, the races. So when London finished and it was Manchester coming up, the marathons, I'd be thinking like that week, like what does my body need to recover? You know, oh, it needs uh, Epsom salts. And that's anecdotal. It doesn't always help everyone. But for Mm. me, that makes my body feel better. Um, And so just developing that more caring side to your body, I think it, I don't know. I feel like that that was the biggest turnaround for me. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Just clear my throat. (laughs) During the marathon, can you think of the time where you struggled really badly, either the London or the Manchester one, a time where you were really struggling mentally and you had to use positive self-talk or self-compassion to get out of it? Yeah, so with the positive self-talk, I remember it was mainly in Manchester Marathon where I really had to use this um, technique. Uh, Before the marathon started, I didn't, I doubted, ever actually getting the goal pace that I wanted. So I was going for a sub 315. Um, And then as soon as I was on the start line, I was like, okay, just try. All you gotta do is one step in front of the other. Um, And I remember getting to the halfway point and thinking, do you know what? Like, I just need to thank myself, um, my legs for getting me to this point because at one point I didn't think that I could hit my goal pace. Mm. Uh, And then later on again, it was pace related and it was the last few miles and I'd peeled off in front of the pacing group which was a, a bit of a mistake really thinking back and I could f- hear them coming closer and closer and closer and I was thinking oh I don't know if I've screwed this up here a bit um anyway um I just thought to myself look what you've done already look how far mm-hmm. your your legs are strong they've got you this far already um you know you've done London Marathon last week didn't even think that you could get to this point at this pace mm-hmm just keep going um and that, sorry to interrupt but that's something that's like really strong with probably one of the most um if I was to say like something that comes to mind a lot of the time with my training in terms of self-talk 
it's don't stop because like yeah some if i've done like crossfit competitions or if, even in the duathlon at the weekend or even if i'm just training and i'm doing like a workout which is a lot of conditioning it might be like more long-winded if if it ends th- thoughts can enter your head like oh this is getting a bit th- difficult now or oh and that's just not useful like to think yeah. to dwell on that too much instead i'm just like right just keep going just keep going like keep let the reps sort themselves out yeah. like if you get a workout and you've got to do like 20 reps of something, instead of thinking of five reps of being, oh my God, you've only done five. I'm like, right, that's 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 cool. You've only done five now. You got yeah. fifth, like, you got like, just keep going. Just keep doing the movement. The reps also take care of themselves. But the moment you stop, sometimes it makes it a lot harder to get going as well. And then yeah, I agree. using that momentum physically and mentally to help propel you through in your, like, your performance, I guess. I agree. I I think yeah. To and in in kind of crediting yourself for what you've done already, that can help drive yourself further and further to keep going. Mm, yeah. However, I do think going back to the self compassion that you know if you're someone who has twisted your ankle while you're running and you really can't carry on, you ask yourself what does my body need right now, and it actually might need to step to the side, mm. do some stretches, and carry on the race. Mm. Or you know if you get a really bad blister and you need to stop to attend to that. Um, but I guess it's just mixed depending on what's happened in mm. your race or in your competition. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you have any other like comments or anything that you remember from your race in terms of self-talk before we move on to the next topic? I think it's just like, in terms of self-talk, like obviously I've touched on self-compassion quite a bit and the main thing I'd encourage you to think about is what is the need right now? What can I do to help myself right now um, to finish this race, to finish this workout, mm. to get this lift? Um, with positive self-talk I just have like certain words in your mind like strong or mm. like um, push you know that are really gonna push. like <laughs> <laughs> like are really just gonna like keep you going um, because then when you think of these key words you're kind of in that mental state of yes I can do this rather than oh but I've got this niggle or oh I've got mm. I've got an injury here like everyone will have a niggle at yeah. some point in a race in a workout it's not useful to keep dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on it. Yeah, I guess like the the point that was that I put towards you earlier about can negative self-talk be a good thing? I guess like in a sense, yes, if you flip it as positive self-talk. So if if you're saying, oh, come on, you're going slow here, but you couple it with go faster then, mm. you know, like that's um, that's like really effective in my eyes, I think. Yeah, but for me personally, but then sometimes, sometimes you can go in a rut of, negative self-talk and it's not it's not useful to to perceive things like that yeah you know some training sessions aren't going to be as good as others but in the most part i think positive self-talk definitely yeah yeah. it's the way forward i think uh, to just summarize it as well one question as well that you could ask yourself aside from what is my need is would i say what i'm saying to myself to a friend and if the answer is no, then you're probably being a bit too critical on yourself. That's a good, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. That one. Thanks. Yeah, well done, Rachel. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to the next point now. Okay, so on to the next um, topic. We're going to talk about perspective and outside perspective. So, Rachel, if you want to just summarise what that is. Yeah, so for an outside perspective, it's almost thinking of yourself as if well, from the outside, so you're almost escaping from your body in a way and watching yourself as if you're like on a theatre screen. Um, but for me, uh, the outside perspective, but for me... For me? <laughs> did you, sorry, one question. Why did you come across this? Was it through thera- therapy? Yeah, through giving. So I worked in a health psychology service with um, people with chronic pain 
um, and I delivered compassion-focused therapy. Um, so this is kind of something that is used in compassion-focused therapy. So if anyone is interested, uh, just give it a Google. Um, but yeah, for me, it would be like I'd be running, but I'd never be running on my own um, because I'd almost imagine like that I was running with a second version of myself. And that version was like watching me and thinking, what does she need now? Oh, she needs water. What does she need next? Oh, um, she needs to just stay relaxed. She needs to smile. Um, so I think it helped me personally access that self-compassion. I can just imagine you running smiling there. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what are you saying? <laughs> Throw me. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and so, yeah, as I say, it helps access that self-compassion and feel safer. You're out there for three hours, three and a half hours, four hours, five hours, however long your marathon's going to take you. And it can feel very daunting. Um, you don't want to feel stressed when you're out there. You want to enjoy every moment. And I don't know, well, as, as much as you can enjoy every moment. Because mm. mm. if I was to, to relate it to like a different sport, like weightlifting, mm. um, would, uh, so I'm not sure if this is actually linked to the correct thing, but when I'm, say I'm about to do like a, a clean and jerk or attempt to clean and jerk, which is quite, uh, close to like a max mm. I'll think of watching myself do it and think about what I like what coaching cues I need to think of so it might be to make sure that when I dip um for my split jerk to make sure that I keep my chest high instead of letting mm. it rotate down and it's like playing that through my head almost like because this made me think of this when you were saying about a theater screen it's almost like I'm on like a tv screen mm -hmm. I'd like think that through and then I'd try and go and do it replicating what it was that I thought yeah is that like the same sort of thing I suppose it's similar in the sense that you're kind of using some imagery um the difference being I guess you're talking about technique mm. um whereas I would be talking about again going back to self-compassion what does she need like what what does this runner here who is doing this marathon need oh Rachel get some water so I'd almost I would speak to myself in my head like oh you know you need to do it as if I'm mm. instructing myself to do something. Um, so for your example, it might be that if you're going to do a deadlift, you almost imagine another person next to you like tapping you on the shoulder saying, you know, come on, Hannah, you've done that before. You've done that last week. Of course you oh, can that do that. So, that reminds me of something that I thought, I think maybe maybe this is a better example then. I don't know. You might tell me that it's wrong again. But um, you're not in class. <laughs> I'm not marking your assessment. Um, when I did the duathlon towards the end, you was like, um, you were like, um, for the lap, <laughs> for the I'm not getting choked up. I'm not getting emotional. You're getting emotional. giddy about your point. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, when I was when I was running the last two and a half k, um, I was like imagining you like pushing behind, like pushing me, saying, "Just go faster, Hannah. Why are you going so slow?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it is using imagery though, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's slightly different. Like I'm talking about kind of uh, an outside perspective of myself I guess in a way you imagining me there means that you might be looking at yourself from my perspective pushing me like yeah. go, go on Hannah or whatever um again you don't have to be like so close to like the theory of it I just encourage people to just get on board with thinking about ways of using that different perspective so rather than being just focusing of them and their race and thinking ah like this is going wrong this is going wrong this is going wrong take that outside perspective and just look look at, look at that person there, i.e. yourself, who's got 
to mile 14 despite stomach issues look at look at how strong she's tried to be you know yeah she's she's struggling at the moment but look how look how how hard she's worked well and then you think that would like propel you forwards like more and more yeah because you're not defeating yourself you're like or it, even if it doesn't propel you faster you'll you'll enjoy it more you mm. won't struggle and suffer as much and you won't be as critical of yourself afterwards hopefully <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Rachel, if you just summarise that point for us, like for, for the listeners, just to like condense it down. Yeah, so just look at you get in your training, in races, whatever um, you're doing, just look at yourself from the outside perspective, um, whether that's imagining, you know, another, imagining another version of yourself looking at yourself um, and saying, go on, keep going, patting them on the, on the back or whatever, like the deadlift example or whether it's looking at yourself as if you are on a theatre screen, um, or even I don't know, what might help uh, is if you think of a drone that is recording someone um, from like an above view. What's that? Aerial view. Is it aerial view? Bird's eye. Bird, yeah. <laughs> Bird's eye. Um, and seeing yourself from a different perspective so you don't get so enthralled with you know, any pain that you might be having or how it's going. Hopefully it will help propel you forwards. By giving you like sort of some self self compassion to not be defeatist, to be like yeah, to yeah. just kind of keep going one step at a time. Mm. So next uh, number three is going to be the strategy of chunking. Rachel, do you want to summarise what chunking is? Yeah, so chunking's where you might have um, so an example in a race, uh, you've got the full marathon twenty six point two miles. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How many have you done? Um, yeah, so it's rather than thinking of just that as one, you're chunking it into se- separate sections because otherwise as you set out, um, you don't want to be like, oh, I've got 18 miles left. Oh, I've got 17 miles left. Um, you want to be trying to enjoy it as much as you can because the reality is you have to run them, ma- them miles if you want to get to the end. Hannah just showed me that. Did you we say 26.2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Chunking means that you put it into manageable chunks so that it feels um, more doable, I guess, and more manageable. So an example for London was, I read a quote actually, which is the joys of Instagram before the race. Um, I thought that was their tagline then. That's like, are you shouting out the joys of Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) Their Insta handle, (laughs) at shout out, Um, it said like, uh, run the first third of a race with your mind, the second third with your legs, and the third third with your heart. <laughs> well, the third third fractions. <laughs> um, and so what that means for my race in London would be a chunking strategy of the first... Um, so I decided to chunk it in. So the first 13 miles was with my head. So that was making sure I didn't go out too quickly so I'd burn out for the uh, latter parts of the marathon. Uh, and then from mile 13 to... Um, 23 it was with my legs so just trying to keep that pace up maybe up it if possible um, but going by feel and um, trying to keep strength in the legs and so that's where I'd kind of reflect back on some of my training where you know strength training with you um, maybe go to CrossFit classes and things like that and the last part was the heart so running the 23rd mile to the end purely with your heart so think about you know strategies you might want is thinking about why you're doing it why you started so for me I was thinking about Nana and what the fundraised yeah. for um and also thinking about um, when you're really struggling 
who are you going to run the miles for? So I ran a mile for Hannah, for example. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, a mile for like each family member, say. Um, <laughs> it's funny because you run them and we don't know. Yeah, you know? <laughs> You're like, I ran this for you. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank oh, you. <laughs> good on you. Um, but yeah, and so that meant that I could also try and up the pace a little bit for that. So I was really lucky. Um, well, not lucky. I, I, I was really proud of the fact that that, that paid off and pleased yeah, that I'd read that quote at, what I'm going to say, some Instagram. Joys of Instagram, yeah. yeah. I think that, that joke's died. Um, but yeah, and then Manchester Marathon, I've decided to uh, chunk it a little bit different. So going for a different goal, um, still being sensible with my pace at the start, but I kind of only chunked it into two. I wanted to keep um, the pace to get around in uh, sub 3.15 up until maybe the 20, 23rd mile, um, and then maybe up it at that point. Um, but that kind of didn't go as neatly to plan as, as London, but just having them kind of chunks meant that it didn't feel like I was like, oh, I've got 18 miles. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's suddenly 13th mile. Or yeah, whatever. I guess it feels like more manageable then, doesn't it? Yeah, and really? it makes it more of like an interesting race because it's almost, so with London, it's almost three races in one. The first third, you're kind of managing to... Um, maybe speak to members of the crowd, maybe like look at your surroundings a little bit more. The middle third, you have, you're having to use your mindset a bit more. So you're kind of a bit satisfied with that as well, because it means that mm. you are pushing and you're trying. And then the last third, kind of in a bit of a weird space. I find like in a marathon or a long distance race, the last parts, you just, your brain's a bit bogged anyway. And I just feel, I feel like it felt like people would have thought it was proper extra. Cause I was like hammering down, like trying to, make out like I was some sort of like athlete <laughs> and everything um yeah that's how I chunk it I was gonna say something but I've forgotten what it was because you're too busy talking about yourself <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you no I'm joking <laughs> I'm joking well, um tell us Hannah <laughs> uh, so how of... what chunking do you do <laughs> <laughs> really interested you don't care <laughs> so an example of chunking that I've I've done um, like for example with the duathlon that was a really good event to do chunking because the actual mm. event itself was like a 5k run then a 19k cycle then a 2.5k mm. run so instead of thinking oh I've got all of those three different things to do I was like right go all out like just do your best go all out on the on the 5k get the 5k done and it was like a tick box exercise like I actually like mm. imagine having like a little notebook that I was just I ticking that. off yeah, yeah. I love um, that one. so I did that then I'd got on, get on the bike and then I almost chunked within the chunk mm -hmm. like so I had like 19k on the bike which we actually equated to four laps so obviously lap one's done and I'm thinking right I noted down what time I got for lap one and I was like right well just sustain this yeah and see if you can do that so I sustained it for like the four laps um and then I even chunked even further by um realizing that because the, the benefit of having the same route for the four laps meant that I figured out on the first lap that the first half of that lap was a fast half because the mm. wind was behind me. The second half was the wind was against me. Mm -hmm. So I'd capitalize on the first half going as fast as I could. And then as I turned the corner against the wind, I'd stand up to get my pedals going a little bit more and just try as much as I can to, mm. to keep a decent pace. But obviously it wasn't as quick as having the wind behind me. Um, so I guess that's like chunking within chunking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like chunkception. And then obviously once I was off the bike, it was just a case of like the two and a half mm. a two and a half K run where I was just like, right, well, this is just the end bit now. So just go for it. And I, I like what you did with the laps actually, you know, and kind of splitting each one into half, but focusing on the technique yeah. um, with the wind 
direction, wind direction, because what people could do with chunking is say you've got four four laps or four mm. rounds in a workout or you know um, four miles to do. If you go out and you're just counting down from the start, like oh I've only done one mile, mm. I've got three more to mm. go, or I've got three more laps to go, mm. you're not gonna. At the end of the day, you want to get them done. They're so gonna have to you, get done anyway. They're gonna get yeah. done. So don't. Don't count down from the start. Yeah. Try and at least have some time where you're just like, oh yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. It's like I always say to my clients, when the, like, if I give them a workout, there's like four rounds for time and they're like the second one in. And I'm like, right, you're over halfway now. Just just like that final push instead yeah. of saying, oh, you're only halfway done. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's do how you perceive. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you like sort of perceive those aspects of chunking as well, I guess. That's yeah, important. yeah. Okay, so the fourth one that we're going to talk about is um, avoiding social comparisons. Uh, so if you want to just explain what that is. Yeah, so social comparisons, it's in the name. It's where you kind of would look around before a race and compare to other people who are there. Um, but often with social comparisons, we do compare to people who we think are, who we perceive would be better than us. Um, so rather, rather than people who might look as if they'd be worse than us. So you've got an example of that really haven't you with the giraffe oh uh, yeah yeah so when i so when i arrived when i eventually arrived at giraffe Bar, after <laughs> google maps sent me all sorts of ways um i was i wasn't nervous at first but then <laughs> when i went through the uh the gates to get to the lake where it was the marshal was like sorry this isn't open to public there's an event going on today and i was Savage. like i know i was like i know i'm in it and he looked really embarrassed but anyway um you know me <laughs> you know <laughs> um so what was I gonna say? So when so when I eventually got there, I I wasn't really that nervous until I saw a lot of people with like you could like tell that mm. they spent a lot of money on the bikes. Like you saw some of them, yeah, and, and like in the tri suits, well. and, like yeah. yeah, they had all of the gear on. And as I obviously just pointed out, like I just looked like a general member of public. Um, so, so even there, you say they all had they had all the gear on, like as if like everyone had it on. It felt like they did though. And then you and then when you arrived, you were like, but you just seen the frets. Because yeah. you pointed out that people who weren't in all of that gear, but all my brain could see yeah. was that. And then and then I started to say to you, like, I just don't want to come last. Like, what if I come last? Yeah. Because um, it's like what what you did, I think, was you were in a, you was, you felt the threat of coming last. So all you're doing, you're in threat response mode. So when you're in threat, you're looking for danger. The danger that is going to make you come last is going to be everyone who's better than you. So yeah. you're looking for people true, who yeah. look better than you and trying to conf yeah confirm that yeah. to yourself, I guess. But then you rightly pointed out when we were driving back um, from the event, you said because I was talking about what I was thinking and stuff, and I said to you, didn't I? Like, oh, I'd have like someone in a, a full-on gear behind me, and I'd be like, I'm going to beat them because they're mm. like. I don't know, like there, and I don't know why I thought that, like, but I just for some reason thought it was like a little pride thing that I could, if I beat someone in all the gear, then I must be really good. Like it's yeah. not the case at all, but that's what my brain somehow decided to tell me during the duathlon. Um, but in knowing about that and reflecting on the fact that that's what your brain was doing, you were looking for people who looked better than you. It meant that in the race you could actually use that not as a threat, maybe, but how like I'm gonna beat them then rather like than as a yeah as like as a, a strength, strength. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Can you think of an idea, like an idea, an example of like if you've come to a race and you felt a little bit afraid? Yeah, like when I did my first um, ultra marathon, it was a trail race. So I've never done a trail race either. And I turned up on my own and everyone else was with people in running club um, tops and like, 
you know, all the gear, all Did the compression, everything. <laughs> um, and I was just kind of, I remember thinking like, what am I doing while I'm here? Like, I don't belong here. And then because I am fortunate enough to have studied psychology, um, I kind of thought of that theory at the time mm. and thought, do you know what? Just just focus on you. Mm. If you just run this race, that'll be your first ultra marathon. Mm. That's an achievement for you that no one can take away. Don't compare to anyone else. Run mm. your race. And I guess comparing, like, we live in a society where you're taught from a very young age that you must be, like, work to be better and better. Um, and so you can constantly compare to other people who are better than you and think, oh, what I've done is rubbish. Like, yeah, and, it's natural to um, compare. I guess, like, yeah, that's not really a good thing because like, you people, can't control other people. Exactly, but, like, you will, like, we could say don't compare to other people, but everyone will compare to someone else. It's mm. it's. It's just what ha- it's just what humans do. It's so it's just about being do. aware of being it aware knowing, of what you're doing. Yeah, to avoid it when it's happening. Yeah, and knowing when it's happening, when you can use it to your advantage. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the final um, thing that we're going to talk about is focused performance. So Rachel, if you want to summarize what focused performance is, so <laughs> it's basically focusing on um, the technique that you're doing, whether that's running, cycling, weightlifting. Um, and personally, I think that that helps because you're not your brain's not wandering to negativity. Um, it's not got as much space to think about any pain that you might be in. Mm. But you're also advantaging, advantaging, um, benefiting ben- yourself. Ben- yeah. um, because if you're getting your technique right, then you're more likely to make that lift. You're more likely to get that PB that you're after in a race. Um, so the one I use in marathon training, I'll be thinking: Am I is my arm drive right? Am I bre- am, am my shoulders relaxed? Am I smiling? Um, back your smile (laughs) (laughs) smile because apparently if like the muscles used to smile um relax the body i don't know how legit that is but you know (laughs) we'll go with like that's what i use anyway and i find it helpful mainly because i am happy like i try and clutch to the moment clutch onto the moments in a marathon that i'm happy but going back to what i was saying yeah so do, do you feel an alignment like when you run um because if you I don't know. What what would you I, say with focus? I would say... What do you do? Well, focused sort of performance. I I would say for weightlifting in particular, if I'm using a weightlifting example, it's massive because you want to be thinking about... So if I'm doing a deadlift, I want to think of coaching points that are going to help with... Like the technical points that are going to yeah. help with the efficiency of that movement. If I don't think, right, I need to start with a bar as close to my shins as possible... And I start with it outside of my shins, and I'm having to like lose efficiency through the lift. Mm-hmm. It's less likely that I'm going to make that lift. Yeah, like if you're focusing on what you're having for dinner that night, rather yeah. than like what you need to do yeah. to get that bar up. Yeah, it's just irrelevant, isn't it? I mean, some people might deal with. Some people might actually struggle to focus with their training, and I think people who don't enjoy training struggle with focus because the mind wanders to other things. I think when you really like enjoy it and you really want to get that lift or you really want to mm. run that race and perform well, to focus is one of the best things that you can do because it keeps your mind on track of what the task at hand is. And you said about people not enjoying it necessarily, but a way that I found that I can enjoy running more is by Googling, like researching beforehand best running tips uh, and trying to work on my own form. And then you do enjoy it more because mm. you feel like you're going into something with more knowledge, more confidence mm. and that, you can do it. Mm. Yeah. And what other aspects of focusing do you think there is like for performance? Do you mean like, do you think focus in terms of having 
even just like even if it's just a loose plan like having the focus to get to the gym and do that weight yeah. position get to the running like having that I think yeah for training I think you definitely like keep the end goal in mind so when I was nearing you know the marathons um I like to do crossfit I was having gymnastics mm. lessons and like to do other sports as well but my number one question to myself was okay you're two weeks out from the marathon will this help or hinder mm. and that is thinking that's focusing on the goal mm. in the training as well yeah it's just like goal focused training as well which is a completely yeah. different topic which I could talk I might do a podcast on that actually like yeah at some point because that's a massive topic and something that I'm pretty like a big believer of like yeah, I'll, I'll get clients doing goal focused training um but do you have anything else to say on focus in terms of your own performance and or is it just that technique the main just, one? As I say, that's what works for me. Mm. Um, but everyone's different. So mm. the best thing you can do in training is trial and error and just try mm. different things. You know, try some of these tips that we've said. They might not work for you, that's mm. fine. But at least you know then and you can try something else. Mm. Okay, so on that note, uh, Rachel is just going to summarise the five most used psychological techniques that she uses for her sports. So if you'd like to summarise that for the listeners. Yes, so um, self-compassion, uh, both in training and the race. Uh, then I talked about uh, developing an outside perspective, chunking, avoiding social comparisons, and then finding your way of focusing. So that is that. That is the uh, coming towards the end of the podcast now. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed listening to me and Rachel talking um, about the psychology side of things uh, if you did like it then do let us know um, either on social media all of those uh, informations on the show notes and yeah thanks again for listening and don't I will forget. chat to you next week <laughs> don't people say like don't forget to comment subscribe <laughs> like and <laughs> like comment subscribe <laughs> thanks for listening thank you oh and by the way if you're interested in listening to any outtakes then there's some, a few coming you might not find them entertaining but you might like them so yeah here you go <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Okay, so moving on to number four. Number four, we're going to talk about... Okay! <laughs> <laughs> that was I don't know what came over me then. <laughs> Are you okay? Um, the fourth one we're going to talk about is... <laughs> Do you want to record a separate one? Hello and welcome to the Bergen Fitness Podcast. This is the second podcast of the series. The purpose of this... <laughs> Stop laughing, it's annoying me. You laugh at her. I didn't laugh her. You have been listening to the Bergen Fitness Podcast. The purpose here is to educate, motivate and entertain. Thank you for listening and I'll chat to you next Thursday.